Sport continuously provides its audience with powerfully emotional, healing, and influential moments. And nearly always, these moments are remembered alongside the calls from the broadcasters, lucky enough to be behind the microphone the minute the amazing happens. But what makes them unforgettable stretches far beyond the 30-second clip in which it's captured. This is Mark Grandy, and you're listening to Golden Tones, a podcast dedicated to the art of play-by-play broadcasting, analyzing not the play on the field, but the voices of the people in the booth. Roll the tape. Everybody standing here at the Smoothie King Center. 9.6 to go in game three. Can the Warriors steal this? Let's find out. Green will throw it in. Curry comes to the ball, goes to the corner, catches, works up Pondexter, fade away, three, short, rebound Spades, Curry in the corner, shoots, on the way, got it! He hit it! 2.8 to go, he got clobbered as well, Holiday to throw it in, Tyreek Evans from midcourt, shoots, good if it goes, no good, we're going to overtime! Curry does it again! That's Tim Roy on the Warriors Radio Network on April 23, 2015, calling the final seconds of regulation of Game 3 of a first-round playoff series between the Golden State Warriors and the New Orleans Pelicans. We'll break down Roy's call in full, but first, let's dig up some context. The 2014-2015 Golden State Warriors, who had just fired then-head coach Mark Jackson after a first-round series loss as the sixth seed, handed the reins to Steve Kerr. Led by Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Harrison Barnes, Andre Iguodala, and others, the Warriors took the NBA by storm. Golden State began the new season 10-2, the best start in franchise history. The Warriors won 16 games in a row during a month-long span from mid-November to mid-December. At one point, Golden State won 19 straight home games, also a new franchise record. In January, Thompson scored 37 points in the third quarter of a game versus the Sacramento Kings, breaking an NBA record. He finished the game with a career-high 52 points. On April 15th, the Warriors won the team's 63rd game of the season, and Steve Kerr broke the NBA record for most wins by a rookie head coach. Golden State finished the regular season 67-15, becoming the 10th team in NBA history to win 67 games in a single regular season. The 67 wins also set a new franchise record, and was plenty good enough for the Warriors to claim both the top seed in the Western Conference by 11 games and the Pacific Division crown, also by 11 games, for the first time since the 1975-1976 season. Curry averaged just under 24 points and 8 assists per game and shot over 44% from the three-point line. He became the first Warriors player since Wilt Chamberlain in the 1959-1960 NBA season, back when the franchise was in Philadelphia, to win the Most Valuable Player award. He broke his own record for made three-pointers in a season. He and Thompson, known affectionately as the Splash Brothers, made a combined 525 three-pointers during the regular season, smashing the NBA record they set themselves the year prior. Golden State was the best team in the NBA throughout the course of the regular season, but many doubted what the team could accomplish in the postseason, or at least they weren't sure how it would translate. The success of the 2014-2015 Warriors paved the way for more Warriors success in the future, but also influenced many other teams to rely more on the three-point line. But at the time, when Golden State entered the 2015 postseason, it wasn't a given. 
The team's first obstacle was the eighth-seeded New Orleans Pelicans. Under head coach Monty Williams and third-year star Anthony Davis, the Pelicans snuck into the postseason with a 45-37 record. 2015 was the franchise's first playoff appearance since 2011 when the team was called the Hornets. Amazingly, the Pelicans finished last in the Southwest Division, but still made the postseason. All five teams in the division won at least 45 games in the 2014-2015 regular season. Davis averaged more than 24 points and 10 rebounds per game and led the league with 2.9 blocks per game. He was an all-star for the second time in his first three years in the league and was quickly blossoming into a superstar. Alongside Davis, New Orleans featured Tyreek Evans, Eric Gordon, Drew Holiday, Ryan Anderson, and others. But as the eighth seed in the West, they faced an extremely challenging first-round matchup. In Game 1 in Oakland, the Warriors led by 15 points after the first quarter and took an 18-point lead into the fourth. Curry led the way with 34 points, but behind 35 from Davis, the Pelicans fought back in the fourth quarter but fell by 7, 106-99. The Warriors' defense led the way in a 97-87 Game 2 win. The Pelicans led by three points at halftime, and the game was tied after three quarters, but Golden State outscored New Orleans 26-16 in the fourth. Davis and Thompson each scored 26 points. The series shifted to New Orleans for Game 3, and the Pelicans immediately played their best basketball. They won each of the first three quarters, including a 37-27 clinic in the second, and led by 20, 89-69 at the start of the fourth. After an Anderson jumper, the Pelicans' lead was 17 with six minutes left. The Warriors needed to outscore New Orleans by nearly three points a minute, or a point every 20 seconds, just to force overtime. Miraculously, the Warriors scratched back within six points with a minute 45 left. After Curry missed a three, Green scored a putback. Golden State, down 17 less than four and a half minutes ago, had cut the deficit to just four points. The teams then traded misses before a string of Warriors' offensive rebounds resulted in a foul, sending Sean Livingston to the free-throw line. He split a pair, and Golden State trailed by just three points with 21 seconds left. The Warriors then fouled intentionally, and Holiday made both free-throws. Curry then hit a three-pointer with 12 seconds left, bringing Golden State back within two. After another intentional foul, Davis split the free throws, opening the door for the Warriors, trailing by three, 108-105. Golden State then called timeout and advanced the ball past half court. Everybody standing here at the Smoothie King Center. 9.6 to go in game three. Can the Warriors steal this? Let's find out. Green will throw it in. Curry comes to the ball, goes to the corner, catches, works up Pondexter, fade away, three, short, rebound Spates, Curry in the corner, shoots, on the way, got it! He hit it! 2.8 to go, he got clobbered as well, Holiday to throw it in, Tyreek Evans from midcourt, shoots, good if it goes, no good, we're going to overtime! Curry does it again! Again, that's Tim Roy on the Warriors radio network. We'll break down his call in a moment. Curry's three tied the game at Evans' ensuing miss pushed the game to overtime. It also capped a 24-7 Warriors run over the final six minutes of regulation. The Warriors led for all but the first 33 seconds of overtime, and four Curry free throws sealed the game in a 3-0 series lead for Golden State. 
He finished with 39 points, 5 rebounds, 9 assists, and 7 made threes. With the win, the Warriors became the third team in NBA postseason history to come back from at least 20 points down entering the fourth quarter. At the time, 20 points was also the biggest deficit entering the fourth quarter that the Warriors had ever overcome in the shot clock era. In fact, per ESPN, since the NBA instituted the shot clock, Golden State had been down by 20 to start a fourth quarter 358 previous times and had won none of those games. Amazingly, with this win, Golden State improved to 3-3 in the 2014-2015 season when trailing by at least 20 points. The rest of the league, up to this point, was 12-433 in such games. The Warriors then won Game 4 to finish off the sweep, leading from wire to wire. Curry again paced Golden State with 39 points, 8 rebounds, and 9 assists, shooting 6 of 8 from downtown. As I'm sure you know, Golden State went on to win the 2015 NBA Finals. They beat Memphis in six games in the Western Conference Semifinals and knocked off the Houston Rockets in five games in the Conference Finals. In the first of four straight final showdowns against LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers, Golden State won in six games to claim their first title in 40 years. The 2014-2015 season was just the beginning of the Warriors' meteoric rise to a dynasty. They won three championships in four years and made the finals five straight seasons. They won an NBA record 73 regular season games the following year in the 2015-2016 season, although they lost to the Cavaliers in seven games in that year's NBA Finals. And who knows if it all would have played out differently had Curry not hit this game-tying three in Game 3 against the Pelicans, completing a 20-point fourth-quarter comeback on the road. Anyway, with that out of the way, we can focus on Roy's call. He starts by setting the scene. Everybody's standing here at the Smoothie King Center. 9.6 to go in Game 3. When leading into a potential big moment, it's oftentimes beneficial to start from a wide perspective before narrowing your focus as the play begins. And that's what Roy does here. He tells us that everyone inside Smoothie King Center, the home of the Pelicans, is standing. That they're anticipating what they hope is one final defensive stop. This comment also serves as a key piece of context, because it tells Roy's radio audience that this impending moment is a big one, so listen up, because you don't want to miss it. He then begins to focus in on the play itself, and steer away from the arena-wide picture. He tells us that there's 9.6 to go in Game 3. That's important for Roy to mention, because without it, the listeners wouldn't be quite sure how much time the Warriors have to work with. Would they have to catch and shoot? Is there a chance for a quick two before playing the foul game? Perhaps even the Pelicans should foul depending on the clock. While a lot of these questions and answers depend on a coach's philosophy, you can't possibly make these decisions without the proper context, and Roy did that by mentioning the time left. He certainly could have, and probably should have, added the score in this moment, or at least said something like, 9.6 to go in Game 3, Pelicans by 3. Now, I will say that he did check the score earlier, just before the highlight begins, so it's not as if the radio audience is going in blind, but it's nearly impossible for a radio broadcaster to say the time and score too often. Anyway, as the Warriors set up their inbound play, Roy does the same for his radio audience. Can the Warriors steal this? Let's find out. Gray will throw it in. Sometimes in big moments, it's simple and easy to just ask yourself a rhetorical question to let the audience know what's at stake in the upcoming play. 
Roy asks, can the Warriors steal this? And then even answers himself, saying, let's find out. This not only gets the importance of the play out, which is that Golden State's hopes of stealing or winning this game rest solely on this play, but it also tells the audience that it's happening right now. Roy has already warned us, the audience, that the play is coming, as we talked about earlier, but his let's find out is easily understood as the start of the play. And then, of course, we get confirmation, because Roy tells us that Green will throw it in, meaning that the Warriors have set up their inbound play. And then, the action begins. Curry comes to the ball, goes to the corner, catches. So, we know that the Warriors are inbounding side down, beyond half court on their offensive side of the floor. Roy tells us that Curry comes to the ball, meaning that he's running toward Green, the inbounder. That's straightforward enough. But then Roy tells us that Curry goes to the corner, which tells the radio audience that instead of running toward Green to catch the ball, he's sort of running along the three-point line. He was on the far side, ran along the perimeter toward Green, and is now curving along with the three-point line toward the corner. And then we hear Roy tell us that Curry catches just after saying he's in the corner. So, us on the radio now know that Curry has the ball in the corner on the side of the floor that Green inbounded the ball from, after Curry ran from the opposite side of the floor. And all of that information comes from 10 words out of Roy's mouth. Talk about efficient yet detail-filled language. Let's listen to it again. Curry comes to the ball, goes to the corner, catches. It's pretty simple, but you can't deny its effectiveness. But it's also possible, through Roy's words here, that Curry, rather than running from one side of the floor to the other, has instead started in the corner in which he'd later catch the ball. Maybe he started there, then ran upwards towards Green, before stopping and running back to the corner that he just vacated. From a radio perspective, that's certainly possible. But if that did happen, I'd be willing to bet that Roy would have said something like, Curry comes to the ball, cuts back to the corner, catches, instead of just saying that Curry goes to the corner. What Roy did say implies one continuous forward motion, or at least it doesn't imply a quick change of direction. So I think it's safe to assume that our original understanding is correct. And of course it is, because we can go back and check on the accompanying video of the play. You might also argue that Roy should specify that Curry started on the other side of the court. And he certainly could have. It would have been a good addition. But what you also have to remember is that Roy has such limited time to get a surplus of information out. Think about what he did get across, as we already talked about, in just 10 words. And he solely focused on Curry. He could have talked about Thompson and Spates setting screens, or Barnes cutting towards the basket. But no, he made an educated guess that Curry was going to get the ball, focused on him, and, of course, he was right. So, should Roy have mentioned where Curry started? Maybe. In a perfect world, yes. But the reality is, a radio broadcaster in this kind of moment has to pick and choose what to address and what information to leave out, because it's impossible to get to all of it. And in my opinion, at least, Roy did a fantastic job picking and choosing what to mention. We know who has the ball, where he is, and generally know how much time is left. And next, we know that Curry needs to get a shot up. Works up Pondexter, fadeaway three, short. Roy doesn't have to tell us that it's Quincy Pondexter guarding Curry, but he does. The call would survive without it, but it's also good to know that the Pelicans have a longer defender on Curry, providing the radio audience with the context that Curry is going to have to shoot, most likely over a taller defender. He also says that Curry works on Pondexter, 
We don't know for sure what that means, but it's pretty safe to assume that it's some sort of dribble move, some attempt to create space. Then Roy tells us that Curry attempts a fadeaway three, which tells us that the work he was doing on Pondexter was likely a sidestep or step-back dribble move to lead up to his fadeaway. So here, Roy has again made an emphasis to keep his language short and simple while still accurately describing the action. But at this point, with the shot in the air, what's most important is Roy making sure he's on time for the result of the shot. And Roy certainly is here. He even extends the pronunciation of fadeaway and three to signify that the ball is in the air. It subconsciously tells the audience that Roy is waiting for the ball to either miss or go through the net. If Roy wasn't as efficient earlier, he might not have had time to hold the final syllables of those words, and the radio audience might not even be able to fully understand and appreciate the tension while the ball is in the air. But he was efficient, so he is on time, and he quickly says that the shot is short as it clanks off the rim. But for the Pelicans, the play isn't over until they grab the defensive rebound something they haven't done too often in the fourth quarter. Rebound Spates, Curry in the corner, shoots on the way, got it! He hit it! 2.8 to go! He got clobbered as well! Now maybe the rest of the fourth quarter had taught Roy to be cognizant of a potential offensive rebound, because after all, the Warriors, before this latest three, outscored the Pelicans 13-2 on second chance points in the quarter. The three would make it a 16-2 edge and is a large reason why the comeback happened. If past examples kept Roy aware or he just saw the ball fall towards Spates quickly, he took advantage. Just after the ball ticked off the iron, Spates grabbed the ball as he ran towards the rim from the elbow. And nearly instantaneously, Roy tells us that Spates corrals the rebound. Spates then shovels the ball to Curry, underhand style in the corner, but Roy knows that he doesn't have much time. The play is moving so fast that he needs to cut out major parts of the play in order to stay on time. So he doesn't say that Spates shovels the ball to Curry. He also doesn't say that he even passes the ball to Curry. Instead, just after saying that Spates has the rebound, Roy just says Curry in the corner. Again, Roy has a decision to make. Either be more descriptive and fall behind the action, or cut some information and stay on time. He chooses the latter, and to be honest, it's not as if the radio listeners are missing a whole lot. What's most important in this situation for a radio play-by-play -play broadcaster is that the audience knows who has the ball, and where. By saying Curry in the corner, we have no trouble figuring that out. And in fact, it's quite easy to assume that Spates made the pass to him, because how else would the ball get there? If it was something more wild, like the ball got knocked away and carom to Curry in the corner, then I imagine Roy would have told us, but it was a normal, run-of-the-mill pass. So in this case, with Roy in time-saver mode, it's not necessary to mention. Roy then tells us that Curry shoots. Unlike the previous shot when Roy held the pronunciation of fadeaway and three to signify the ball in the air, this time Roy doesn't do that, but instead explicitly tells us that by saying on the way. That's followed, extremely quickly by the way, by Roy at the top of his lungs, screaming, got it, he hit it. Despite the fact that Roy did such a great job saving time by leaving out bits and pieces of information, he's still in danger of sounding too rushed. He's not here, in my opinion, but the point is that he's close, despite all of the precautions he's taken. It's a prime example of how easy it can be to fall behind in basketball if you don't do what Roy did here. 
Then he quickly tells us that there are 2.8 seconds left, meaning that the Pelicans still have a chance. Roy definitely could have added a quick tie game or we're all tied or something along those lines, but we'd get that confirmation shortly. Before Roy moves on to the ensuing play though, he takes one final moment to address Curry's three, saying that he was clobbered as well. He's referencing Davis and Evans, who desperately tried to contest and block Curry's three. They ended up crashing into Curry after he released the ball. No foul was called and Roy certainly could be addressing that, but I think this comment is more effective as a means of explaining just how difficult of a shot Curry just made. He was clobbered, yet he still hit the game-tying catch-and-shoot three in the final seconds of regulation. Let's listen to this part of the call again. I'm focusing on Roy's purposeful effort to stay on time despite rapid action on the court. Rebound Spades, Curry in the corner, shoots on the way, got it! He hit it! 2.8 to go! He got clobbered as well! And as the play goes on, you can hear Roy's voice speed up. You can hear fewer pauses and breaths, but through it all, Roy does not fall behind. And it pays off because he reacts just as Curry's shot falls. But again, with 2.8 seconds left, the Pelicans still have a chance on the other end. Holiday to throw it in. Tyreek Evans from midcourt. Shoots good if it goes. No good. We're going to overtime. Curry does it again. Roy quickly tells us who is involved in the play. Holiday throws it in, Evans the recipient. Then Roy tells us where Evans is. He says, from midcourt, shoots, when in reality he shoots from closer to the three-point line. He picked up his dribble just beyond half-court, which is what Roy was referencing, I'm sure, but used a kind of Euro step to get closer to the three-point line. But beyond that, Roy checks every box. He tells us that he shoots, and he says that just before the buzzer sounds in the background, telling us, once again, that he's on time. He also confirms that the shot got off in time, saying, good if it goes. Here, he again holds the pronunciation of goes to signify that the ball is in the air, adding to the tension of the moment, just as he did on Curry's first three attempt. And then, of course, he says that the shot misses, and immediately tells us the impact that we're going to overtime. And Roy says that with a lower, more gravelly voice. It also seems as if Roy in this moment is running out of air. He desperately needs to stop for a breath, but needs to finish this thought first. As a result, Roy's voice is dramatically different. Then a pause, and presumably a breath, followed by the end of the call. Roy saying, Curry does it again, which is a reference to his fantastic season and his numerous clutch shots at the end of games. It's a simple tagline from Roy, but it brings back so much in the minds of Warriors fans that have followed Curry's career up to this point. Just as the Warriors were tasked with an uphill battle needing to come back from 20 down in the fourth quarter, Roy was tasked with a difficult call, yet both managed to get the job done. Let's listen one final time. Here's Tim Roy on the Warriors radio network on April 23, 2015, calling the final seconds of regulation of Game 3 of a first-round playoff series between the Golden State Warriors and the New Orleans Pelicans. Everybody's standing here at the Smoothie King Center. 9.6 to go in Game 3. Can the Warriors steal this? Let's find out. Green will throw it in. Curry comes to the ball, goes to the corner, catches, works up Pondexter, fade away, three, short, rebound Spates, Curry in the corner, shoots, on the way, got it! He hit it! 2.8 to go! He got clobbered as well! Holiday to 
throw it in. Tyreek Evans from midcourt. Shoots good if it goes. No good. We're going to overtime. Curry does it again. New episodes of Golden Tones drop each Tuesday morning. You can listen everywhere you get your podcast. Just search Golden Tones. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It'd be much appreciated. Also, do you have a call or highlight you think I should feature in a future episode? Let me know on Twitter at Golden Tones Pod or at Mark Grandy.